So a quick change of venue, Cyber Gang. Here's what happened. Tucker and I were supposed to sit at the Venetian. Beautiful hotel in our plaza room that you've seen in previous videos. We had technical difficulties this morning. And Tucker's a busy guy. <laughs> That's mostly true. Yeah, Mostly true. And so we last minute scrambled. The Black Hat Media team was just unbelievable in their response. And here we are in the Black Hat Media room, which kind of scares me. Because I'm connected to the internet at Black Hat. <laughs> Be a lot of people listening. Well, I mean, that'll increase the download numbers, That's right? True. So I'll take I want them to listen anyways. I want them to listen to them anyways. So uh, everyone, welcome. Uh, Tucker Calloway, he's the CEO of Mesmo, one of our partners here at Black Hat. You guys do some really interesting work because Mesmo started as lock management, right? Yeah, we did, yeah. So how'd you guys grow into doing what you do today? It's, it's, it's day, data observer the observation and availability and so so forth. That's an interesting story. It really, you know, so um, since 2016, 17, we've been, we were a log management company. And right. we, we kind of struggled, like our customers struggled with the cost of log data. And we were struggling alongside them, trying to provide services and trying to partner with them to help them manage those costs, but still have the visibility and the coverage of their systems that they needed. And so as we engaged in that, we kind of came to a point that like basically realizing that the equation just doesn't work anymore like the way of doing things before doesn't work you can't find cheap enough storage cheap enough storage facilities to actually deliver the service the visibility and the coverage that a customer needs and actually spans both the cybersecurity as well as observability disciplines so so we took a different path we decided to take a different path we decided to disrupt ourselves and to find a new and better way for customers to manage their data specifically their telemetry data so, so what did you guys come up with? What was kind of the disruption that disrupted Mesma, but also I think disrupted a little bit of the industry and the, this whole idea of like lock management and all that good stuff? Yeah, I think we're in the early days. So, so our, our focus became a telemetry pipeline. And I think we're in the early days of the disruption and the opportunity that presents for customers. Um, so what always made our log management different and better was the pipeline we built on the front end mm -hmm. um, that allowed us to parse, normalize, help people make sense of the data, but also reduce the data. So we realized that was actually the, the strategic control point for people controlling their data cost and getting new insights out of that data. So, so you know, when I think of data as a practitioner, right, I think of the amount of data. No, there's not, it's, it's very hard. Let me say for me, as James, right? I don't want to speak on behalf of every single person who practices cyber. Right. Yeah. But sometimes I want to keep all the data. Yep. Because I want all that data and I want to keep it for a long time because yep. I know, for example, like the UK Election Commission just recently found out yep. that I discover a breach in October of 2022. But really, it started in August of 2021. If you're only keeping 90 days worth of data, you've really kind of blinded yourself. there, Right. There's, Absolutely. There's, yeah. You know, how, how, how do you find that balance? How did you guys find that balance of kind of keeping data yet understanding what data is worth keeping and what data isn't? I think the key to us is, well, so just to take a step back from that, the nature of telemetry data is just different than other data. Right. Right. So you, your telemetry data is, it's growing so fast. There's so much of it. The signal to noise is ratio is low or, it, it, you know, there's low signal to relative to the noise. And so there's a temptation to, uh, and rightfully to go store that in the cheapest storage facility you possibly can, right? You put it in block storage, wherever you can put it, that's affordable and allows you to retain it. But what's fascinating about telemetry data is context changes so fast, right? So that data, which, which might not be interesting to you, you find some new information, like in the example you gave, and all of a sudden that data is the most interesting thing in the world. And it needs to be rehydrated. It needs to be brought back into the forefront, like immediately. 
because uh, because it's informing you on security threats. It's informing you on uh, the performance of applications and things like that. It's also giving you the 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 changing point of your telemetry, right? Like the moment you know someone gained a foothold in your environment, there's a shift in the way that data is processed. There's something in the data that lets you know there's an anomaly here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so there's a difference in like if you're in like a business as usual operation. Mm-hmm. You typically can take that data and crunch it down, convert it to metrics, and use it right. for use it for the purpose of like a day-to-day operations. But you still have to have the full fidelity data in the in the uh, case of like uh, you know threat hunting and things like that. You have to right. be able to pull that back in. And so managing that data lifecycle is not an easy task. Yeah, it it, it also creates a, a mess, right? Because a lot of people will put that data in the data lake somewhere. That's right, right. Yep. And you put it in the data lake, but then the amount of computing that it takes to go parse that data is very, very expensive. I think that's yeah. that's the challenge for so many is, okay, I'll stick it all in the data. Like I hear that so often, right? We're at dinner with a yep. bunch of practitioners and yep. we'll hear, yeah, we've got these data lakes that we're using, but then compu- that computing power there is very, very challenging. How do you see kind of solving that? What, what do you kind of see? Yeah, like, the here's how I see that. There's a, there's a pretty natural evolution that's happening um, that's coming with a <clears throat> disruption of cloud computing and microservices and this massive generation of data. The old way of doing it was you, you essentially had a, a dedicated agent and destination model where an agent generated information, it sent it to a destination. That destination had both storage and analytics on it. And that's kind of how the world was. Right. And then as the data grew there became, and the data became more relevant, there became this imperative that, that these enterprises need to own their data. They can't just put it in a vendor data store. They have to actually own it and control it. That then, and that helped with the cost problem, but that creates other complexities with it, right? Which is, which I like to refer to as kind of the, the data lifecycle management of it. If you're just dumping it all in one location, the compute, the making sense of that data, it's, it can be very challenging, right? So you need to be able to, Format and condition the data and put the right information in the right place, but still have access to pull it back in as needed. Then the next problem that's that's really happening right now is how do you trust the data, right? How do you know that you got all the data? How do you know that you didn't drop yep. data? And so what we see at Mesmo is there's this huge convergence of the unique challenges of, of managing telemetry data that needs to be combined with data engineering principles and best practices. Like how do I manage drift detection? How do I do data observability? How do I know that it's been delivered? How do I guarantee delivery? And then combining that with the persona, there's a changing persona as people like security, um, like DevSecOps and uh, SREs and people like that need to manage this data more effectively. They have a very particular way of working. They do things as code. They do things at hyperscale. So we're really combining all three of those pillars, if you will, into a solution that, that allows customers to take control of and manage their data more effectively. And that's kind of the new direction for Mesmo. That's the new direction for Mesmo. Yeah, that's that's what we learned through all our years of managing you know, a large data lake. We were essentially managing a large data lake of our own on behalf of our customers to provide log management services. But we realized that that model is just that dedicated agent to destination model, the, the idea of um, one storage facility to kind of rule them all. Like that doesn't work anymore. A more elegant approach is required. <laughs> you know, you bring up something that I think is one of my main concerns, right? Mm-hmm. I always say what we see on the geopolitical battlefield will end up in our corporations at some yeah. point, yeah. right? One of the things I keep talking, uh, one of the things that I don't want to say keeps me mm-hmm. up at night, it doesn't yet, but it will at some point, mm-hmm. is wiper malware. Is, sorry, say it again. Wiper malware. Okay. Yep. Malware comes in, wiping your databases, yep. wiping all of your data, mm-hmm. kind of leaving you with a 
blank slate, <laughs> blank slate, a, a white sheet of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, where's everything that was on here? Yeah. It's kind of nice when it happens to your Chrome browser, but not that so nice, nice when it happens <laughs> to all your log data, yeah, exactly. all, of your all your databases. Data. Yeah, right. Right. So, so I see this idea of distributed data storage and kind of taking the data outside of the traditional model and starting to look at how do I not only do cold storage, but how do I store my data in multiple places mm -hmm. in order to ensure that I've got resiliency in the event that someone comes in and wipes my real database, I can at least have a 90% recovery rate through one. Yeah, of I mean, you got that. You, you've got, you know, uh, there's a lot of evolving data sovereignty rules too. Right. You know, what used to just be GDPR in the EU, you start to, now we're seeing Kind of CCPA uh, in California, Ohio, Virginia, Colorado. Within the United States, you see, a, and, and then within the EU, you see, you know, new policies. Uh, you see the IRAP, I think it is, in, uh, in Australia. Right. Every country seems to be having these data sovereignty rules for, for what are probably valid reasons, but that creates a data management complexity as well. Right. And, then, and then you have just the good old-fashioned, you know, PII data or PCI data that you need to strip out too. And actually all of this brings us in kind of the next evolution beyond what I described before is how do you think about data governance and how do you apply policy, but how do you apply policy at scale to this data you're collecting well, and routing so dynamically? So, so one of my biggest challenges when I was, when I was a CISO at a financial services mm -hmm. firm, right, was we had multiple SaaS and, and kind mm -hmm. of platform products, right? Yep. So, yep. you know, you're using a Fiserv, you're mm -hmm. using a, uh, uh, whoever else, right? And I don't want to name all the names mm -hmm. of financials mm -hmm. or like, like fintech companies that support banks. But nonetheless, you've got data that sits in multiple different places. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to want to observe and find that data. Number yep. two, make sure you're holding the right data and, and then make sure you, you can actually apply the right policies to said yeah. data. Yeah. That, from, from what you're telling me, I feel like Mesmo would have been a good partner for me that. I think so. Like you have a choice in those in those kind of dynamic environments where like do you want to manage policy and governance of data on a one-to-one -one situation like per app or per service or SaaS service? Or do you want to consolidate your data and, and know that you're you know, have yeah. the confidence to go to sleep every night knowing that policies have been centrally applied? See, right? see, I look at this from an auditor perspective. Yeah. Fair because mm -hmm. because when you're in financial services, no one really cares but the auditors, but, yeah. but the regulators that are gonna mm -hmm. come in and they're gonna get they're gonna come and audit you and if You've got data sitting in eight different places. You got to show many different things, and you make it complex for an auditor. No, and controls. You have to, you know, if you, right. you, you got to demonstrate if you, controls. Yeah, if you want to keep them out of that, you, you better show them some controls. And so we can apply a control via a recipe that basically says the first ingestion point of any data applies these local governance rules. It applies PII, PCI, whatever, whatever governance of policies you need in place. So you can show the control that actually filters out. The, you know standards of data before it gets into the centralized pipelines it gives you more freedom to operate kind of once you get, once the data gets downstream and and alleviates a huge control from an audit standpoint yeah because that's that's really kind of when you think of data we all want to defend our data but really yeah. our biggest concern around our data is is from a regulatory perspective mm -hmm. and an audit perspective if if and when the day comes where I'm going through an event, if and mm -hmm. when the day comes and I'm going through a, 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 you know, an audit, how do I show controls across everything? How do I show that data's life cycle coming through? Mm -hmm. And then how do I show that the policies are really there? And, 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 and that's, I think that's a really large challenge for so many people today. I don't think that's a destination problem either. I think that is a collection, ingestion, and pipeline problem. Correct. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah, yeah, control yeah. that in the data lake. Because you've gotten so far downstream at that point, 
Well, Absolutely. I mean, I mean and, and, and the data lake only does one thing, right? But the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, your data really is sitting in, 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 in a lot of different places. And you've yeah. got to be able to, one, know where it's sitting. And number two, be able to either apply policy and controls on it mm-hmm. or uh, start to mitigate those policies and controls either through contract or you know through through vendor third party vendor management yep so i think i think what an interesting thing to think about is how these factors drive the evolution of observability and cybersecurity over time like i i believe there's an imperative that the customers or the enterprises own their data and that and that means that therefore they must own the collection ingestion routed storage and the data lifecycle themselves but they'll increasingly start to, to buy solutions and consume, or maybe more importantly, consume capabilities that are built on top of that data that they own. So the old model of I go to a vendor who stores my data and gives me the analysis will start to bleed away in favor of I own my data in something like a Snowflake or some other data lake repository. And I'm going to consume applications that sit on top of that, which makes puts even more emphasis on these challenges of collecting, routing, controlling data because that responsibility in the ownership of data, that responsibility will sit on the enterprise. And so they need platforms and solutions to help them maintain and manage that entire process to get it into the data lake. So it can be. Do you feel like our, we're complicating our tech stacks? I think so. Like, you know, I'm a firm believer in automation, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone who's listening to the show now will tell you, I I was one of the first that did passwordless. I was one of the first that did, Mm -hmm. you know, automated my SIM and SOAR. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I can automate, get the, not it's not that I don't want humans interacting with it. I don't want humans doing assembly line work. Yeah, right. Yeah. I want smart people doing smart work, solving smart problems. Yeah. And, 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 you know, our tech stacks have become so complex that you can't, you know, you're, you, you got to get really smart people to solve it <clears throat> with really effective tools. Really effective tools. So there's a kind of along that theme. I've got like, there's a, I read some paper on a theory of constraints. Yep. Right. So like, um, so you take it from a kind of an academic standpoint. If, if telemetry data is like fundamentally the foundation that supplies all of the, that's like the engine that drives all of cybersecurity, the engine that drives all of observability, but you have a problem collecting, managing, storing, and trusting your data, you can make an argument that without solving the data problem, you can't solve any of the other problems. Right. Because you can't, if you're not able to store all your data because the cost is too high, you have observability gaps, you have uh, cybersecurity gaps. And so... I actually think that we'll find over the course of the next two, two to three years that people recognize that this data problem is the most strategic problem to solve in both observability and cybersecurity in a way that's a cost effective for the customer. Because right now the cost of data in the cloud is eating them out of the cloud. That's just too expensive for them to store all the data. Well, not only is it too expensive, it's also harder to manage, right? Yeah. I mean, the bigger your databases get in the cloud, the harder it is to start managing it because the workload, the computing workload yep. gets so much more. And expensive. the harder it is to understand, the harder it is to get the insights you're trying to get out of it, too. So there's all this conditioning of data and treatment of data and, and um, converting the data into more consumable chunks uh, that has to happen as well. Right. So, I mean, you, you get it on all vectors, I think, is what we're saying here. Yeah. I mean, and we're not trying to be all doom and gloom. Right. Yeah. But but this is a real challenge for so yeah. many practitioners. There's, there's in, in, in inherent challenges with the cloud model. Mm-hmm. And the solution I keep hearing from a lot of people is a multi-cloud model. And I feel mm-hmm. like all you're doing is you're expanding your attack surface. You just added another layer of complexity. Yeah, you've <laughs> added another layer of complexity. The idea is consolidation, right? It's mm-hmm. either I'm a, I'm a cloud provider shop A, mm-hmm. and I've got some sort of on-prem management mm-hmm. 
that helps me kind of articulate the stuff I need for that very moment. Do you kind of agree with an yeah, approach yeah, like I, that? I think, I think the consolidation is important, but, but the way I'm looking at it evolving over, let's say, three to five-year period is a little bit different than some think. Uh, I think a lot of people think that like cybersecurity and observability need to start to combine. They do. I mean, I think that's a little limiting though too, right? But, like, but, because like then all of a sudden you have a vendor that's doing this monolithic thing and you're, as a consumer, you're like kind of beholden to that thing that they provide. So, so I'll, I'll tell you where, where I think you and I can respectfully disagree. For, for sure. Fair? Yeah. Um, I think you can't defend what you can't see. No, we don't have to respectfully disagree on that. We can agree on that. <laughs> and so any practitioner who's not worried about being able to see all the data you have yes. is, is playing shortstop with one arm. Yeah, no question about it. Right. No, no question. And they're forced to drop it today. And that's not an acceptable solution for the future. No. And, yeah. and, and you can't say we're going to manage this risk because you can't manage what you can't see. Yeah. It, it mind, it's mind boggling for me. It's frustrating. It almost makes me want to cry sometimes because it's, it's, we can't, you know, I think one of the challenges cybersecurity has it as an industry yeah. from a reputation perspective mm -hmm. is we have to be right a hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. We have to fight a lot of internal and external battles, mm -hmm. whether it be with legal and the different different departments. We support our internal customers, and then our commitment to our shareholders, our commitment to our our company's customers, whether they'd be consumers or mm -hmm. businesses, right? And if we can't see our entire landscape, if we don't know where everything is, then we're handicapping ourselves from the very get go. We're setting ourselves up for failure. Don't even like just quit yeah. like to me at that point just quit stop yeah. it's an unwinnable war if you can't see it it's it's not only unwinnable when something does happen in the places you can't see you're going to find out if you've got good threat intel later when you mm -hmm. see it on sale in a dark web marketplace <laughs> yeah and then you're going and you're buying part of that data to validate whether that data is effective or not and for those who don't know that's really what does happen like i've seen breaches discovered in a way where where you don't know what you've got. You, you're blind. You're, you've got a threat intel tool that's out there scanning for your bins or your company information or your mm -hmm. domain names. Someone will put that out there. And your threat intel company will call you and say, do you want us to go ahead and, and, and buy a sample data to validate whether this is real or fake data? So you say, yeah, let's validate that this is real data. So we go ahead and validate real data. Now we've validated the real data. Right. Now you go, how did we get there? Yeah. Right now, yeah. not only are you drowning, you're swimming upstream. You look bad. There's no excuse on the planet. When people wonder why systems get fired after a breach, I just described it. That's why. Yeah. And it all comes from not having full visibility. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, the number one thing I did in my new role, I've been in my new role for seven months, right? Okay. Visibility. Mm -hmm. I want to know everything we've got. Yep. Yep. I want to know everything. Good, bad, ugly, mm -hmm. happy, unhappy, good, not good. Mm -hmm. I want to know everything. Mm -hmm. And I got everything. It took me five months out of the seven to get full visibility because people didn't know where things were. So when yeah. you start asking probing questions, that becomes even a greater challenge. But then you have a moving target. You got it at a point in time, right? And then you've got a. How you know, do you see that, though? How do you see that? I think, I think you have to start from the, I think in today's age with uh, the way systems are designed, 
you have to start from this. You have to assume drift. You know, okay. You have, you have to assume change. You can't. You can't try to protect against change. Like you, you're trying to control something that can't be controlled in that state. You're trying it's to control like, a toddler. Yeah. You, like you. So you have to. Like so. You don't try to control the toddler. You toddler proof your house. Yeah. You, <laughs> right. Exactly. You, you go find all the different things. Right. Sure, like, and so I think cover you, electrical outlets. Exactly. Put, put a gate by the stairs. Cushions on the corners and the whole thing. Yep. And so I think you have to think about your data management practices, uh, which ultimately drives your observability and your cybersecurity practices. You have to think about it from the standpoint of like, this is going to change. I'm going to get new agents. I'm going to get new. I'm going to get new information. The formats are going to change. The vendors in my system are going to change. The applications I support are going to change. The bad actors are going to change. They're going to get smarter and involved. And so like you have to like design for, you necessarily have to design for a changing environment. Yeah, you bring up something really, really interesting here. It's almost like you've got to be able to have visibility, but you've also got to be able to have visibility into the changes that are being made, even if you're not aware of it, even if it doesn't go through traditional change management or, right. or, 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 or specific things. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's something on the roadmap for Mesmo to, it is. to, yeah, be, to be a partner that, that, with? To, when, I, when I talk about uh, data engineering principles like from the general data space and uh -huh. applying them to telemetry data, that the, you know, they've, the general data space has been addressing these challenges for an extended period of time that just hasn't been applied effectively to telemetry data. And there's a different, there's a different changing nature of this, of this type of data we're talking about today. But I think absolutely we have to design for chip uh, data change management. We have to design, design for drift. We have to design to help people profile and understand and discover changes in their data over time. And it's not just our ability to process and uh, parse and normalize. It's all that stuff is important, but it's not the thing that will really solve the problem for the industry. What will solve the problem for the industry is really taking these data engineering best practices and applying it to telemetry data in a way that you feel like we, we, we think less about just the outcome of what our capabilities provide, but more of the trust, right? right. Like, you, can, you, can you put this in place and trust and know in your heart that this will change and know that you've got systems in, the, in place that will help you manage that change on an ongoing basis? That's like the whole trail. See, I, I, I like that approach, Timmy, which is, you know, kind of understanding that whole life cycle of data. And I think a lot of security practitioners have a hard time understanding the life cycle of data. Yeah, right. Yeah, you feel a lot. It's very tempting to feel like we just have to stop the change, but you can't stop the change because that's the business. Well, not right? only can you not stop the change, but but you also have to understand the path that the data takes, whether it be internal or external. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 again, I mean, this goes to why you're at Black Hat, why I'm mm -hmm. here, right? Um, I, I argue that security practitioners from a C-suite mm -hmm. position in a company outside of potentially the CEO have to be the most informed people in the company because mm -hmm. you really do have to understand all the business operations of every single department and every single line of business in your company. Right. In order to one, have visibility in order to know what they're doing and all the back end operations and how right. to support that. Yep. And then yeah. all the vendors and how they're integrate, yep. integrating in. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a, a role that's that requires so much than the role of a, of a chief security officer in a company yeah. right like there's you've got to know so much yeah you've got to know so much because if you don't then you could be making bad decisions do you think it's a knowable amount of information no i think that's why you hire smart people yeah right yeah. like i think i don't think there's one single sister who can say i know everything and if they do they're full of shit right 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 yeah like like i'm a firm believer in 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 the fact that I hire people that are way smarter than me mm -hmm. and I do the Steve Jobs model. Mm -hmm. Hire smart people yep. and get out of their way. Yep. 
let them go out, let them kind of bring you solutions, identify how to manage those people, identify, teach yourself how to ask them the right questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look at, look at security the way you would look at a business in a holistic approach. So how do I become a business enabler? Yep. Is my team pushing for business enablement or are they pushing for shutting down business? And how are they doing it? Right. And how are they communicating security across the company? And how are my, you know, how's my data governance mm-hmm. security analyst yep. talking to all the data engineers and data scientists in the company? Right. What's that conversation look like? Are you sitting in on those conversations? Mm-hmm. Are you understanding really what the goal is for the data scientist? And then how do we facilitate it? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we focus on, they got to log in through a VM and a VPN, and that's where we call it a day. And we go, well, right. the, 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 the VM wipes all the data after they're done. And you're like, a VM is still a machine, mm-hmm. virtual or not. Mm-hmm. Data can still yep. be downloaded. Yep. Sessions can still be hijacked. Mm-hmm. People can forget to log out. Yep. And you closed down the window of opportunity, but you didn't close down the opportunity. Correct. Yep. And then and, and so... I feel like that's that, that, that. I mean, you're asking me such a such a good question because it really is the classic one for for I think so many, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's when I think about our hand in that game, Mesmo's hand in that game. I, yeah. I really think about how do we support you, support our partners from a standpoint of like back to what I said, like acknowledging that this data, that the data layer, you have so many other things to worry about. That the data layer, we acknowledge it changes constant that the change can't be stopped so we have to build systems that help you sleep at night to know that like we're there managing the change so that when you see data to make these decisions you can trust it yeah i think if you if you look at it from a from a CISO perspective there's a lot of great CISO mind maps out there mm-hmm. you know rafiq rahman did a did a mm-hmm. great one the CISO mind map 2.0 i've kind of taken it and i've actually consolidated it because mm-hmm. this is really really big i don't know if you've seen it i haven't i'll yeah. send it to you after oh, the podcast yeah, you should great. definitely see it yeah. and i think he's sure here at black hat I'm it sure is it's, it's very very daunting but i broke it down and in, in, into applying it to uh different lines of different lines of business right mm-hmm. so when i think of a of, of a CISO, you know you, you, your first thing that you need to understand is how does your company make money mm-hmm. where does your company lose money mm-hmm. and then what can you do to either support the company, continue making money mm-hmm. or stopping the company from losing money if you can. Yep. And, and I'm not talking about someone spending an enormous amount of money on stupid stuff that you can't yeah. control that as a CISO, but yeah. are we bleeding money through computing mm-hmm. costs, through bad infrastructure, through mm-hmm. bad architecture, mm-hmm. through, through, you know, really old equipment that mm-hmm. we're still maintaining, et cetera, mm-hmm. like all those different things. And once you understand what the business does, then understanding the core components of that business, mm-hmm. and you really kind of have to peel it like an onion, layer by layer. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, there's you know, the kind of, course, of classic yeah. kind of thing of, all right, let me peel out the outside of the skin. What's the outside skin of the onion is how do we make money? How do we lose money? All right, mm-hmm. now layer one, what makes the onion onion? And mm-hmm. then as you go through, you finally understand what that, what that seed is, that critical asset is mm-hmm. that you really got to f- hone in on. Mm-hmm. Because once you understand all the different moving bits and pieces of, of the company and, and, and IT and DevOps and, and app development mm-hmm. and, and, and finance and operations and sales and marketing and all these different moving bits and pieces, data. Yep. I, mean, I mean, every company today has a chief data officer. Mm-hmm. Every chief data officer is selling his data program and getting funding by saying, we're going to parse data we're going to have the type of kpis the type of analytics the type of predictability you know we'll be able to tell you what 
color socks you're going to put on tomorrow morning and mm -hmm. and how many eggs you're going to have for breakfast and what that temperature is going to be based on all this data mm -hmm. right that's what these chief data officers are selling as security practitioners we have to understand what they're selling mm -hmm. and then we have to go how are you going to do that yeah yeah and then how do we get you to do that in a secure manner <laughs> yeah yeah Right, yeah. like reduce the risk. What's yeah. what's what's our acceptable risk with this? Mm -hmm. Are we willing to risk four thousand records mm -hmm. at any given moment? Meaning, can I live with the fact that if something bad happened, it only compromised four thousand records? Right. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Like like that's my approach as a practitioner, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's where you're controlling down risk. You're constantly well, well, controlling down. I'm, risk. I'm, yeah. I'm constantly trying to control risk, and I'm constantly trying to think of it as a way as what's an acceptable amount of data loss that the board and the executive team, my insurance provider and regulator aren't going to really go. Yeah, you have a problem, right? Cause you're going to leak data. You're mm -hmm. going to have data drifts as you mm -hmm. call them, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to, the data is going to go some places and, and, and there's going to be a moment in time where someone misconfigures an S3, someone misconfigures a, a, a SQL database or a data lake, and there's going to be records that are going to be there that someone's going to have access to. My mm -hmm. question is, you know, the thing I look at it is, how do I uh, make that an acceptable loss? Right. How do you control the slices of exposure? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like if I compromise first name, last name, email addresses, am I worried about that? Yeah. Would not you as, be worried? Not as much as some other things. <laughs> not as much as a credit card number. Yeah. Or socials. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or potentially account information or healthcare information. Well, it's kind of interesting you, you put it that way, though, too, because we, when we think about that, we think about, when I talk about like policy and governance, like if you think about a data pipeline mm -hmm. or specifically for telemetry data, kind of isolating, it's almost like the different you know, security tiers or something that exists in an organization. Like as you move further down the pipeline, you've filtered out more and more of the sensitive data. And so you can be a little more free and forgiving in the access because like, what you stand to lose is becomes far less. Right. right. Like you minimize the loss. Yeah. You minimize the loss. So if now, if you're all the way downstream and all you're looking at is metadata, everyone can run with scissors and, and you don't have to be as worried about protecting that data. Yeah. But in that initial ingestion, it's got, that's when all the good stuff's there. Are you so. a big football guy, Tucker? A little bit. Yeah. So, so I'll look at it as we gave out an interception on our 30 yard line and our defense yeah. forced a field goal. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> that's right. Right, the loss. Yeah. I controlled the loss. Yeah, I got three. They got three points on the board instead of seven. Yep. Right. My defense didn't get worn down. Right. Yep. It was probably six plays, and they yep. pulled out. Yep. You know, got the ball back. Got the ball back. Yeah. And I still have a shot to go back and win yep. this. Yep. Right. Or regain a lead, or yep. or increase my lead, and not let them back into the game. And so that's the way I look at it. I really manage it very similar to I know that I'm going to have interceptions and fumbles mm -hmm. and I'm going to turn the ball over. The question is, how do I control that turnover right. and minimize its impact? Bad things are going to happen. We can't stop that. Always. Yeah. Life lesson, right? It's it's a <laughs> life lesson, but I think more importantly, Tucker, um, um, it's 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 a lesson in the work we do. And I, by the way, I think it's really critical. You know, you talk about data being able to observe data, it's no different than a defensive coordinator sitting at the very top of the right. game watching, watching, yeah. you know, watch when yeah. you watch the game from a booth, from a coach's booth. Yeah. It's very See, different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, there's that armchair quarterbacking and, and, and in security, by the way, it's very, very common. When you're on the field. You can't see anything. 
All you what, can see is what's right in front of you. When you well, you when you're in the trench, you know, yeah. when I was deployed, right, um, we always used to say the Air Force has the best view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they did. Because they were yeah. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 feet right. up high. Right. We had a drone 80,000 feet up high. Yeah. That was giving you a, a type of imaging that you could see everything you could observe. You knew where people were, you knew where uh, blocks could be, you know, mm-hmm. where you could potentially be open for battle. Mm-hmm. Very different from you think of like war 70, 80 years ago, right? where you didn't have that. Yeah. You only observed yeah. what your plane could observe or what, a, what you knew at the battlefield, what you knew at the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a different, different world. Yeah. Very different we're dynamics. Good analogy. I, yeah. I know we're almost out of time. Yeah. I think we're, or we are out of time because you, you have hard stop well, yeah, now. Um, so, Tucker, thanks for coming on. Thanks man. for having me. It was awesome. It's a real it pleasure. A How can people uh, hear more about Mesmo? Yeah, go to Mesmo.com. Um, M-E-Z-M-O. M-E-Z-M-O. Uh, we've got a trial of our pipeline up there that you can go check out for yourselves and give us a call. And follow Tucker on LinkedIn, by the way. Yeah. You know, go check it out. Yes, yes. And all of that will be on the show notes. So go check that out. Uh, James Azar, Tucker Calloway here at the Cyber Hub Podcast at Blackout. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for tuning in. And stay cyber safe.